0: Good morning everyone. We're already into the month of July. I hope everybody's having a great summer and getting lots of uh, downtime, hopefully, um, somewhere. We don't do it here, but we don't have downtime here, but uh, downtime somewhere. But before we get started with my guest, Eric Grimes, um, up and coming is the World Investigators Conference at the La Toretta Lake Resort and Spa on beautiful Lake Conroe in Montgomery, Texas. It's going to be August 16th through the 19th. It's presented by PI Magazine and hosted by the Texas Association of Licensed Investigators. Check it out. Go to www.pimagazine.com, conferences, or T-A-L-I, T like Thomas a.l.i. There will be such keynotes as Effie Bailey, Joe Pistone, formerly known as the undercover agent Donnie Brasco, and Vernon Galbreath on identifying fabricated crime scenes. That's August 16th to the 19th. Make your reservations now because it's going to be a great conference. So let me welcome my guest today, Eric Grimes, and we're going to talk about video evidence. Good morning, Eric.
2: Good morning, Francie. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thanks for, for being on the show. And you're calling in all the way from
2: New York? Yes, I am. New York City, Queens, New York.
0: New York City, Queens. Okay. Uh, Eric is the co-founder of Video Extraction. He's a former New York Police Department detective. Eric, you had a life-changing event that got you into the pre- police department de- technology. Tell us about
2: that. Well, back in 2008, um, I petitioned to go into a unit called Narcotics. And um, with Narcotics, you do an 18-month track. So mm-hmm. pretty much within half, say I, was, I, was, I was in within nine months of my track of becoming a detective. And uh, it's July 14th, actually, next week. Wow, seven years Really? next week. Yeah, it's ironic, right? Uh, so, the, so next week will be seven years. And uh, what happened was my partner and I our assignment that day was the prisoner van. So we pull up to a, a specific location in Brooklyn. We get out the van. We, we take the perpetrator. We put him inside our van. We're having a small discussion. And it was a two-car accident that occurred behind me. And what happened was you heard a big bang, and my partner yells out car. And by the time I turned around, I had a car that was barreling down on me. And the only wow. thing I could do was jump as high as I can in the air. And when it hit me, it struck my leg, struck my lower left leg. And in the mm-hmm. beginning when it happened, I thought that, hey, you know, I just broke my leg. I'll be out for the summer. I looked down. My foot was in total shreds, oh,
3: total cool. shreds.
2: Wow. And I got rushed to the hospital, and I had a, a conversation I will never forget with the doctor there. And he said he took a metal, he took a metal instrument, and he rubbed it down on what was – he rubbed it up and down what was left of my foot. And he asked me, he said, Eric, can you feel it? And I lied to him and told him I can and he said, Eric, you're lying to me. You can't. He said, what is really? what happened is that you lost. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he knew it. He could tell in my face at the time as well. I knew the inevitable. And he said, well, you know what, Eric, we're going to have, to, he said, you're, you're 27 years old. You have a lot of living to do. He said, you lost what is called proprioception in your left foot. And as of right now, the best option we're going to have to do is possibly amputate your foot. And that's when I was 27 years old. You know, I was pretty much in the prime of my career. And I thought the whole world was over. I'm and sure. And at, at, at that point, the journey started. Wow.
0: So so did they amputate just your foot or did it go up higher than that? Well, in
2: order for, you, in order for anybody to fit a prosthetic, um, they have to oh, go yeah. a little bit below the knee in order for you mm-hmm. to fit. As much as you want to save the whole leg, and that would be, be the ideal thing to do in our minds. Um, but as far as medical-wise, no. They had to go a little bit below the knee in order for me to get a direct fit.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was
2: able to do that.
0: So you got into a whole world of prosthetic devices that you never had any idea
2: about, I never, right? I, I wouldn't even know this world existed at all. I went, a, uh, I went to a facility out in Long Island, which was one of the best in the country, if not it's the world. And it's not the professionals that were there at the facility that just helped me. It was people that was other amputees. That, were, that went through the same mm. thing or had a similar accident. Or, you know, we all have something in common. We all lost a limb of some sort. Right. And I was able to sit and talk to these people and they coached me on as far as how to get through the day. And that's when I actually toyed with the idea of actually going back to work. And when I had Commissioner Kelly at the time came to the hospital room to see me, he said, listen, you know, we want you to come back. He said, you know, you're a great inspiration to the department. What are you thinking about doing? And I actually thought about a unit that I wanted to go into, and it was a unit called the Technical Assistance Response Unit, known as TIRU. Mm -hmm. And that's where my video uh, extraction career began.
0: Interesting. So, um, well, first of all, did you go through a period of depression and anger and all that that people talk about?
2: You know what? It's funny. I I never had a Lieutenant Dan moment, and I will clarify that for the listeners. Lieutenant Dan is from um, Forrest Gump. <laughs> when he okay. actually put into that rage, and I think I think automatically you will associate with that. But I think the difference between me and probably some other, probably another person was that I had a great support system. Uh, you know, I also I and it's I was extremely lucky to have the job that I had at the time. Um, so I didn't really feel a major financial repercussion behind it. Um, obviously, I was definitely saddened in some sort, but I was uh, somewhat. You know, high-strung and high-beat, I've always been that type of person.
0: I can't and believe I was able you're
2: high-strung. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really, not you're high-strung? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, if you fall down, I like to get back up again. And I think that and it's a, it's a cliche, but that was the, my, main motto, my, my, my main motto. I had people looking at me. I had a younger brother at the time who's 18 years old now. I believe D'Andre was, uh, I think, 11 or 12 at mm-hmm. that time. So, and I understood that the world was watching, and and I wanted to get back to you know the old Eric, whatever that was supposed to be. But I'm the totally new person now.
0: <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, I gotta say, just talking to you, I'm sure your your positive outlook carried you a, a long way. Yes. It ha- yes, I mean, you're you're yes. a very positive person. So even if you even if you're down, you're probably more positive than a lot of people, a lot of other people, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you know I always got to ask the question if you could go back to work that day and, uh, and put in a uh, what we call a 28 in NYPD is when you're actually want to take a day off if you could go back and put your 28 in that day would you and I said you know what I always ask myself that and I'll say no I wouldn't because so much good came out of this more uh-huh. than what more than what has been seen as far as from the outside world um, internally I've changed externally I've changed um, uh-huh. and you can't go. You can't not undergo a life-changing. Um, you can't surpass a life-changing event of this magnitude, even if you try to. It's not a scratch. It's not a bump. It's something that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. My, my whole uh, spiel to anybody that has any type of life-changing event is: it's really all how you get back up. What are you going to do tomorrow? And as other people came to visit me, other amputees came to visit me and said, "Hey, this is the first bump, but you're going to walk again." And, and you can walk out of here if you choose to. And I made the choice to walk in out of there. And that was the difference.
0: That's um, that's wonderful. What was, what was the biggest
2: change? You know, I would say just my mental outlook on the world. Uh, you know, for me now, I really, I tend not to wait for things anymore. You know how we always say we'll wait till tomorrow or we'll wait to do something. I try to like mm-hmm. get things done now. Um, I'm a little bit more of a stickler for my time. Um, I recommend a book, 168 Hours. It was a great book I read, and, you know, just about time management, what I'm doing with my time, how I'm living my life, what do I want to do, and I and I I, I try not to wait for anything at this moment,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and there's really nothing that I don't feel is really unattainable within reason.
0: Uh, well, you're certainly an inspiration, and I hope that you uh, I hope you go around and talk to people and inspire them, like like I think you're inspiring people that are listening to the show, uh, because you're I an ins- you it. are an inspiration. That I do.
2: Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate that, friend. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so you had already kind of had in your mind that you wanted to, to go to work in the Tyru uh, unit?
2: Yeah, Ty- Tyru, well, one, it was, it was a fairly close commute to my house. It was like, approximately like six miles away from my house. That was one of my okay. first things, first thoughts. Um, but secondly, I mean, it was a skill set that I knew that I could take away um, after the job, it's if I decided to ever separate. And I didn't realize how prevalent uh, the uh, video surveillance was at the time. I mean, we were extracting, and what I mean by as far as video download, and I'll, I'll give you the process, basically what I used to do was, if they if there was a crime that was committed anywhere within the city of New York, um, we'll have a, you have your first stage detectives who are the detectives that wear the, the, the night nice suits, They'll go out there and investigate. They'll say, hey, Eric, you know what? We have a camera here. We have video here. He's a of the time, the dates, and the camera numbers. Mm-hmm. And my partner and I will go out with our equipment, and we'll extract that video. And in many cases, um, I'll take one case in particular as far as a rape case is concerned. Uh, we, we had a guy that walked the side of a hotel, raped a woman, and he ran out with sheets in his hand. Hmm. And we was able to follow him. From camera to camera around the <laughs> block. The, <laughs> next they, the, the, the next day, they the next <laughs> the next day they caught him because of a tattoo that my partner was able to zoom in on. Mm-hmm. So this is the, this is the type of work you know this type of evidence that video provides, and the police department that you know they're very you know as far as government entities they're steadfast on it. We have I have not seen that in the <clears throat> excuse me, I actually have not seen that in the uh, the outside we're outside of government um, more in the private sector. We haven't seen that type of response as far as going out to get video extraction and that's when uh, my partner and I came up with the concept of VEI. The con- the concept of your company? Yeah, VEI, video extraction aid, correct.
0: Yeah, okay. So you talk about video extraction.
2: What is how do you do that? What is that process? Well, it, it's it's nothing that we... It's not, it's not like, you know, as far as... I like to use the, the, the term, like, as far as with CSI. With CSI, how you... How they're able to... They'll have a thumb drive. They'll stick the thumb drive into the uh, DVR. They'll extract a thousand hours of video, and that's it. It's a little bit more to it. A little
0: more complicated um, wh- than that.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I get well, calls from attorneys that ask me the be impossible for them. And I, have, and I have to tell them in this way because they're watching CSI. I know they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But basically... You know, you one, you have to go out there and take. You have to go out there and see if the cameras are actually working. And basically what we do is we do the due diligence for our clients to go out there to look to see if the cameras are there, to see if they're operable. If they are operable, what kind of what, if the time, the time to the timestamp the date are they correct? Which makes mm-hmm. a big, which is, which is a big, big deal. Because if they're off by a couple of days and they still recorded the event, then you have to do a little math and find the video now. So now you have to take a look. Um, how are you extracting it? Are you using an external hard drive, like your thumb drive, or are you gonna use outside equipment? Um, there's a reason why you may use the external hard drive. In um, the external hard drive, you have your thumb drive, you stick into the DVR, and you can extract as much information as you can. Mm-hmm. The, um, <clears throat> the issue with that is not all of those features work. So now, I had investigators, all private investigators as well, that will go to a scene with their thumb drive, and they think, hey, Eric, you know, I could pull the video. Then it doesn't work. Now what do you do? You mm-hmm. need external equipment to take a picture of the uh, screen to record onto your disc. And that's when I use my third-party equipment for that, reason, for that, for that option when I'm not able to use my external th- um, thumb drive.
0: So an example, that. Of that, <laughs> example of that would be maybe like a split screen kind of a setup that doesn't work on, on regular uh, software? I'm sorry, say that again, I'm sorry. You know, I, like a split screen um, view, so you, like you have a, uh, a split screen maybe with four quarters or two halves that doesn't extract the same way as it would if it was just a uh, one image?
2: Oh, so you mean as far as like a quad image, like you have yeah, like four right. different, um, okay, so it's like, uh, it's like a so something like that. Um, what I usually like to do is this. If it's a scene to where someone walks inside of an establishment and they're walking around and they have like six cameras that are inside the establishment.
3: Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, you
2: know what, I wanna collect, I wanna get all six cameras. Um, the, first, the first method I would use is the external hard drive. You wanna use a thumb drive. Why is that? Because you're extracting what is called the native file. The native file is, a un- is the least uncompressed file. And it's going to have all its faculties in place. And it's also going to have the metadata, which are identifiers, such as the time, the stamp, the time date, the time, the date, and the camera numbers. It's going to tell all that within that file. So you want to use that method first. The second method, if that method does not work, you want to use external equipment. And basically what you're doing is you're taking a pit. You're going to just copy the screen. You're copying the screen. So I will connect my um, equipment to it. I'll I'll connect the monitor. If they don't have one, I'll take a look at the monitor. I'll plug in the coordinates, time, date, camera number, hit the play button, and then I'll start to record, record the screen. And that's done in real time. Okay, so let me
0: make sure I understand this. So are you you playing the video and and recording it like you would put?
2: At the same time, yes.
0: At the same time, like you were downloading it maybe on a DVD or something like that? I'm putting
2: it on a DVD. That is correct. Okay,
0: okay. All right. So um, is there any possibility of contaminating this, this image when you're downloading it?
2: No, it's really not. I mean, there's no, there's no way of contaminating it at all. The only way you contaminate it is just by not downloading it at all. I mean, so it's, you okay. can't do anything to it. Uh, now, what you can now, what a person can do is, now, once the video is downloaded, they can make a copy of it, but the original video itself, you can't do anything to it. Mm-hmm okay okay and then once and once we enter that in and when we enter this in court usually the the disc is the disk is automatically closed, so you can't add anything onto the disk and you can't take away mm-hmm. someone has to make a physical copy of that disc in order for them to do anything to it okay at all
0: okay okay interesting um so I would think that you run into uh, Inaccurate times and dates fairly frequently. Yes. yes. That, that's really a yeah, problem when, it's, when it's, we're talking about a crime scene or a case for a civil action. Uh, mm-hmm. If, if the, one person is saying it happened at a certain time and the video is saying something completely different, how do you square those together?
2: Well, it's, it's, it's a, well your piece in video is one piece of the investigation. So you also got to remember if there's an accident of some type... That means that, one, who else arrived? The cops arrived, right? So you have police mm-hmm. officers that arrived. You also had, who else arrived? An uh, ambulance arrived. Now, in New York City, they have what is called a run number. The ambulance automatically did den- note that time when they show up, or actually when they get the call. So I we see. get all this information up front. Now, once I go out to the scene, I have all this information, and that's when I, if, the time, if the time is off on a machine of some sort – then I'm able to make those, I'm able to make those corrections based upon information I've Okay. Also, I usually don't stop the tape until I usually see the police. Usually when you see the police, usually you know it's over at that point in time, because then that's, that's the scene, that's where they're at, and that's it. In some cases, when the police present themselves on surveillance. And you
0: think the crime is going to stop when the police get there? <laughs> okay, I got that. <laughs> All right, we need to take exactly, a break. right? <laughs> we need to take a break, Eric. We'll be right back. Eric Grimes has so much more to say. You know what the police did? We can stop right. Now yeah. Okay. We're gonna take a break. It's over. Okay. <laughs>
1: Listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to FRANCIE at PI's Now, here's Francie Kaler.
0: Private investigator and former New York Police Department detective Eric Grimes is discussing extracting video evidence. So um, you were just talking about the number of cameras out there and, and um, explain how that works in New York. Are there well, cameras just like every corner?
2: Well, besides, I think besides, the, you know, as far as the, um, the proliferation of cameras among small businesses um, in New York City... Uh, but New York City has uh, also took a page from London's book. And in London, they have what is called the Ring of Steel. Um, and this came out of after, actually after two bombings, and one in 1993 and I believe one in 2005 where there was a train bombing, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And now, so basically it goes, they have little small little exits that come into London, or you can leave out of London. And what happens is that you have a lot of these um, dome cameras that are fixed to buildings that can zoom in onto the plates of anyone, of any citizen that's leaving London. So what happens also, you have police that stop you. So when they stop the car, the plate is is, is definitely easy to read. And Mm -hmm. that's what they're doing. Here in New York, you go to the financial district, you go anywhere next to Wall Street, there usually is some type of checkpoint. And there are cameras there that are zooming down on you just in case. Also, there's a barrier there. But that's the world that we're living in as of right now with cameras. And you're going to have a lot of big cities that are following suit. The NYPD has what is called the Argus system. And Argus means a uh, 100-eye monster. Greek mythology a uh, monster. And that's wow. what, it's basically on 100 eyes, meaning everywhere. And there's the gray boxes with two dome cameras on the bottom of them. And they have what's called PTZ features, which is pan, tilt, and zoom features. So they go left, right, up, and down. And they usually, they were First is con- up in problem.
0: Is that, is that constantly? Here they're going, going left, right, up, and down.
2: Oh, it, it really depends. It really depends on how okay. the camera is set up. Uh-huh. So it, it could. So some of these lenses are, are pointed to a certain problem, um, or certain problem areas within the city, or sensitive or crime, um, crime-prone locations. Or you have some. You have like in uh, the August boxes downtown in Times Square, where you have terrorist-prone locations. And now okay. you're starting to see a lot more of than now. It doesn't necessarily have to be a crime-prone location. Now they're putting them up to put them up to cover everything. And this is where, and this is the, the stage. This is part of this is the stage that we're going into as of right now. Hmm.
0: So, um, so how do they? How are the cameras protected from people that like want to sh- shoot them out or, or destroy them in some way?
2: Well, you, you know what, I really haven't heard too many of of incidents of them actually uh, doing anything to the August cameras. Huh. And I haven't, I haven't heard of anything as of all, at, at all. And at usually just, these cameras are placed really high on pole, pole cameras.
3: So they're uh-huh. placed
2: really, really high. But I haven't heard anything like that. I mean, if they are, and if something was to happen to the camera, you know what, they'll go out and they'll put up another one.
3: <laughs> I mean, we, right. there, there are
2: guys there that just for that reason alone to support those type of cameras. So it, the support is there.
0: You, Eric, you gave an astonishing statistic off, uh, when we were offline. Uh, what was the number of times people are, are, are visually on a camera?
2: This is, I was at a conference, and uh, from was a video forensic analyst, and he said, Eric, he said, I was doing a study, he said, it, people in New York, as of right now, as many cameras as there are in New York, as of right now, you're on camera, the bare minimum, for approximately at least 275 times a day without you even realizing it. And that's just walking down the street. It's just, just astonishing. Down the that's just walking down the street. And if you really think about it, and, and most people don't, even when I go out to extract video, most people feel that when you extract any type of video that it has to be the smoking gun. I actually had an attorney that you know, challenge me on this. Well, you know, if the video doesn't make any sense to me, I shouldn't get it. No, you should get it because it shows something. It may not show it may not show your client being hit. It may not give you everything that you want, but it can give you clues. Right. And that's what it is. A, a video is a part of the investigation. It's not the whole investigation.
0: And I can't even imagine like, an attorney saying that they wouldn't want to see the video. My goodness.
2: That's
0: that's you crazy. Have,
2: you have, you, you, you have some people. You have some people like that. You do. You have some people like that who may not want, who, who, who may who may not want a certain pieces of video. I, I, I've been there. <laughs> but the thing is, it comes from lack of understanding because they feel that it has to have the smoking gun to it. And when you give that explanation, usually they go, "You know what? I get it now." Mm-hmm. Because we feel that we can just put it to the wayside because it just show everything that we need. I um, will give you a case in point. If a guy comes into the store, he's wearing all black, um, or if he has a you know, he's wearing a glove on his left hand and you know, Hey, this is the glove. You can be able to zoom in or clarify the image. And then you Mm -hmm. come across that, that's piecing it together. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think a lot of us, we just feel that, Hey, videos the end or be all. And in some cases it is, but in like, in most cases it's really not. It's just a piece to what we already have. We have to figure out throughout the course of the investigation.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, there, you know, there's video evidence everywhere. I mean, if you, if you start looking around, uh, if you just go to any strip center and look around, you'll mm-hmm. see video cameras. They're not necessarily obvious, but uh, if you're looking for them, you'll see where they are.
2: It's, it's really amazing. Uh, you go to your dentist. I was in my dentist's office last week. Um, dome camera in the upper left-hand corner. Really? <laughs> That's de- in every room. In every room. Every room. Well, Eric, I you know with, and, with sexual sure
0: allegations, that makes sense. That it makes, makes perfect it makes
2: sense. Tons of, it makes tons of sense. Video keeps everyone honest. Right. <laughs> it keeps everyone honest.
0: Well, that so makes I me. That I, okay, I want to ask you this question. How do you feel mm-hmm. about the body cams for police officers?
2: I think body cams are, are, are great. I think they're great. Uh, the thing is, it's still being operated. I think most people want body cameras. Why? Because you want some type of checks and balances out there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the police officer still has to operate that said body camera, meaning they actually have to pull that switch. Mm-hmm. If they don't pull that switch, then what? Mm-hmm. Then we have an issue or, as far as are they tampering or yeah. are they covering something up? And I think that's the issue. I think most people were, you know, were really um, b- sold on the idea of body cameras because they want it something. They wanted a system where there was type of checks and balances for police officers that are out there performing duties out within the street. But at the same time, police officers still have to check that up. They still have to press that button, hit the record button at the same time. And that's Mm -hmm. another issue in itself, whether you're going to do that or not. Well, and
0: and what do you do if the police officer is taking a break or has to go to the bathroom or,
2: you know, forget to turn the camera (laughs) off and turn it off, well, you know turn what? it back I think, on. I think for every department is different. I mean, and from what I understand, NYPD just started a pilot program. I think they run in full swing this year. But I think you actually only record when you are engaging in an incident. I don't think it's never-ending recording because of the data, because of the mm-hmm. data. And that's another thing too is that when you're, those type of devices, it's all about the data. And that's where the, the course really comes in. So I don't think they're going to be running it for a period of eight to ten hours because the average shift for a police officer, NYPD police, officer, is eight and a half hours. I don't think they're going to be running for a constant reel for eight hours. It'll be something where if they engage with a person in the street and it feels getting confrontational, or be writing a summons of some sort, mm-hmm. this will be the time to do it. I think that's when they're actually going to start recording.
0: So, so the policy should is probably once you engage it with a citizen, regardless of what the situation is, you should. Uh, start your camera yeah because you just never
2: know i mean i had complaints i had complaints for a variety of, of reasons um and no one who gets arrested wants to and no one wants to get arrested that's the one so someone's always going to make a complaint of some sort but there's a big difference between a verbal complaint and a forced complaint you know when you are talking about force is concerned yeah, right. that's why the body cameras in play because of that reason alone the force it's, it's force complaints so they're trying to mitigate
0: well, and and we were talking about before the, before the show the two incidents that are on the news right now—one in Minnesota and one in uh, Louisiana—that uh, people are taking videos of what's going on right there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the police videos, if they verify the same information.
2: Yeah, if, if for what I understand, I'm not really sure if whether the um, the cameras were on or not, and that's the and that was that's what I, that's why I stated that earlier, whether or not. Cops are going to turn the cameras on or not? It's one thing to have it on their body, but yet, is there right. anything in place that will, you know, that will, there's any checks and balances they'll say, hey, you've got to turn the camera on. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. I haven't seen as of yet. So, that, I think that's really the big question.
0: So, Eric, what's the most significant case you've had in the private sector? Let's take the private sector where the video evidence made a huge difference?
2: You know, is one case that's actually going on right now. <laughs> I really can't give too much information about it, um, but it was. Uh, it, it, yeah, I really can't give it that way, and that was probably the one <laughs> the most interesting <significant laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, okay. I really would love I, to, I like, it, it's really like it's like four or five months fresh. Like it's it, it, it's oh man, but can you without, tell it without hmm.
0: giving any detail, without giving up anything? <sighs>
2: Sorry about yeah, that. I don't push to. you. That's okay. It'll be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be extremely... It, it, this, that, one, that, one, that one particular case actually really uh, stands out well, to me the most. But I I'll, could I'll give you something. Um, I'll definitely give you something from... Um, I think I spoke about it earlier. The case that really stands out to me the most mm-hmm. as far as a lot of the video. Actually, you know what? I have another one. Um, it was actually a child molester. It was a sexual assault case to a minor. Okay. And we don't realize, you know, especially like in the public libraries, you figure, you know, a public library is a safe haven for your children, especially if you get there with other children. And I had a uh, detective come to the office and he said, hey, listen, you know, uh, we just want to zoom in on this guy's hat. He's wearing a Yankees hat. I think it's a Yankee spring spring training edition hat. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure. So we was able to, to clarify the image, and we was able to, to look at this hat and come to find out it's a spring training hat. Now what, this, now, what this guy did, he took a young little girl as she was walking by and grabbed the top of her head, and he threw himself onto her and did it very lightly, like rubbed himself on this young lady, young girl, young probably like four or five. She didn't even know what happened to her, and we caught this all on camera. It was able to get him the next day because of the Yankee spring training hat. And the detective was able to pick it out because he said, I take my son to spring train every year. And here we are. It's a public library. This is 2.30, 2.30, in the afternoon when this happened. And it only took three seconds. Hmm. And she didn't, and, and this young girl would never, didn't even know what happened to her. Yeah. Within yeah. three seconds. That's scary.
0: That is scary. Yeah. Wow. So, how about when you were with the police department? Is there any big case that was uh, broke through because of the video evidence that, that you worked on?
2: Um, you know what it was a, it was a number of uh, cases. I, one big case um it was a young young, young, Jewish, um, young Jewish young man um, that was uh, kidnapped a couple of years ago while he was walking home from school and he was kidnapped within his neighborhood and it was like an all out search. I think they took, they, they pulled two detectives from each command throughout the city. And my unit, it was pretty much all hands on deck. And my partner and I pulled the video of the young man being dumped in a dumpster. Mm. And we, did, we didn't even realize it. As yeah, you see him grabbing a bag, but that was it. I think, he, I think this guy wanted pleading guilty at the end of the day. But you're like, wow. And this was like, you know, the case went on for like, it was a good two weeks. So it, it was an intense week of just looking through uh, tons and tons of video and searching and searching and searching for video because they had no major leads. And then when they actually found some video, and they said, hey, we well, parked this car here. We see him parking his car. We see him taking the young man and putting him into a dumpster and returning back to his car and driving. Mm-hmm. So that was, one, that was one of the kids that actually really stood out to me.
0: Well, and, and speaking from experience, I know that watching – uh, hours of video footage is really boring so, <laughs> because sometimes there 's nothing going on it 's just a blank street or or whatever um, so it it takes a lot of tenacity to to go through those videos and and capture the right image that you 're looking for
2: well th- there suits well there 's a couple of different technicians that are part of the process so um, for what i do i 'm known as the extraction expert. I go out and I extract the evidence. Okay. Um, but then I have people who are on my personal team who are, who, is, who are forensic video analysts. And those are the people that break down the frames. Mm. They do the clarifications. You know, they can change the opacity, the lighting, the shading of a picture to Wait bring out certain details. I got yeah, to know what a, what's, what,
0: what's opacity? What is that?
2: <laughs> oh, no, that's, that, that's pretty much like the, the, the lighting. Okay. The, 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 the shading and lighting yeah, within any um, film, yeah, with any video. Okay. So uh, that's right. so these guys are able to manipulate that and that's what they do. And it's not changing anything on the uh the screen anything on the video per se. You're just changing the lighting so you can bring out certain qualities so you can see all this.
0: I guess so that's you, what you can we call going on. uh what we would call enhancing the video.
2: Well it, people well you have to some people like to use the term enhancement uh, within that within the uh the forensic video analyst world—they use clarification. Okay. And that's that's the correct term. Yeah, that's the correct term. You hear some other people use. Um, you hear some people use that as well, but no, it's usually uh, it's it's clarification. Clarification. Also, it's okay. Not enhancing because you're not enhancing anything. You're just clarifying it. Okay. That's what you're okay. Doing.
0: That's yeah. That's really important. All right. So um, do you also work on do you also work on smartphones and other technology like that?
2: Well, we extract video from smartphones as well. I ha- have I got anything outside of the police department? No, I have not. Most of the cases that I've come across were all vid- from video surveillance. Okay. Or from all DVRs or com- computer-based or standalone DVRs.
0: Okay. Well, there's pl- certainly plenty of them out there to keep you busy. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: That's a doubt.
0: Yeah. So, Eric, give the, give the name of your company and tell people where
2: to uh, contact you if they were interested definitely Um, the name of our company is Video Extract Video Extraction Inc you can um, locate us at videoextract.com I repeat videoextract E-X-T-R-A-C-T dot com also you can email us at hello at videoextract.com and uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter and our Facebook fan page at Video Extraction Inc and you can can, uh, definitely reach us there
0: Okay, you want to give a phone number?
2: Uh, I'll give you I yeah, I will name one. Give me one second. Okay. And you can give this a call at 516-828-5231. I repeat, 516-828-5231. Great, because I'm assuming
0: people want. To, I see on uh, private investigator email lists all the time people that want uh, video experts, and you are an expert witness and a, a specialist in this work. So I'm sure that there are people, particularly on the on the East Coast, that would be interested in your services. And we need to take a bit ba- another break, so we'll be back in
2: a few minutes. No problem.
1: 350 C-A-L-I. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at one 472 That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
0: Former New York Police Department Detective Eric Grimes is discussing his work as an expert witness and a video extraction specialist. Eric, what pointers or tips would you give to attorneys that uh, are working on cases, either civil or criminal, or private investigators that there may be video evidence? What would you tell them to do?
2: When you first get the case on your desk, the first thing you want to do is go out to make sure that there is some type of video or you want to rule out that there is no video. That's the first okay. thing. A lot of times, what, you know, um, some of the cases that I get, some of these attorneys get these cases two to three months after the fact.
3: Mm-hmm, so usually the
2: average, vid- the average video is anywhere between 15 to 30 days. For a for good video, you know, as far as a good DVR, a good DVR. But then after that, you're pretty much you're going against the clock. So the best thing to do is once you get that case and you feel, hey, this is an accident, go straight to the intersection, take a look, see if there's any cameras under the awnings, look on the blocks, look, look around. You have to take a look. You can't do it with Google Maps either. You know, we have a lot of, if you have some investigators that want to do work from home, I get it you have to actually go out there, boots on the ground. And that's what we provide at video extraction is that we go out there and do the boots on the ground look for you to make sure to either, if they're there, they're there, we'll extract the video. If they're not, we can rule that out for you. And that way, anybody that comes behind me and they would to follow the work, they can also see that, hey, you know what? He's telling the truth. This is what it is. And that's that.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But you have to go out there and get the, you have to go out there, you have to be steadfast on extracting the video on going out to extract the video Another thing is I also recommend <clears throat> um, before you actually if you're not familiar with if with the box don't touch it don't right. touch it at all just wait because what happens a lot of times we get so excited we want to unplug the box not realizing once you unplug that DVR you, you don't know the shape that DVR is in the box may trip up usually you'll hear like an alarm sound of some sort the DVR mm-hmm. can um, rewrite, it, rewrite itself, the hard drive. Um, right. another, another pitfall I always see is changing the time on the DVR. That's a big no-no. When I worked the case, I think mean, it was just pretty much it was perfect. I mean, everything was, the stars were in line. Mm-hmm. All we had to do was go there, extract the video, and walk out the door. We walked in. The lady, she was so, so nice. She said, officers you know what, I did you a favor. So what is that? She said, I corrected the time.
3: <laughs> oh, no.
2: <laughs> and uh, we just looked, and my partner and I just looked at each other. We, 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 we had a, a light chuckle. We said, thank you, ma'am. We made the phone call to the detective, and he says, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm sure and he did. And that's the biggest mistake. And a lot of that comes from being a good Samaritan and, mm. and our own ignorance. When you reset the time on the DVR, what happens is that you reset the hard drives. And the video is lost forever. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. I don't care what kind of forensic guy you have. He's not going to be able to recover that, that file. they are not going to be able to do it. It's not okay. going to happen. It's lost forever. Big no-no. Do not correct the time. We'll figure it out afterwards. If you, once you extract the video and you want to correct the time, do so. But exactly. Do not, but yeah. you, do you, not but correct it. Do not unplug. About.
0: <laughs> okay. So <laughs> no. how, how often do you find that the camera actually isn't working?
2: Uh, see you see what? Freak- it, it, it You know what? The, the, the camera, some of these cameras are uh, 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 totally inoperable. Uh, and the reason why is because a lot of people, once they install their systems, especially small businesses, they don't even pay attention to them anymore. I'm usually like the first person that touched it in five years.
3: Hmm.
2: <laughs> and you can tell just by the dust, just by the dust of the box or by the way the cameras are positioned, no one cleans the lenses. And then what happens? These are machines. And if they're not properly maintained, they will break down. And then no one will know until something extremely bad happens. Now we are, now we know that the video does not work. And that's unfortunate.
0: And uh, typically, what do you find? Because you, you were saying 30 days, but... I'm, I'm even finding maybe 24 to 48 hours, unless somebody uh,
2: preserves it, that it gets rewritten. Which, is, which, I th- which I think is a mistake on the part of the installer. Whoever installed the video, you should always have a standard of at least If it's your personal home, anywhere north of 7 to 10 days is fine. You should mm-hmm. know within 7 to 10 days whether or not somebody burglarized your home. If not, you're just not paying attention Right for a business. Any, right. Anywhere north of 15 to 30 days. You, okay. y- y- you should have that. A 24 hour loop is not going to serve you anything. You're not going to find out so many things happen within 24 hours. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that before. I've been on the other end of that. And it's disheartening, especially when there's, when, especially when there's evidence that could have been, that been um, recorded that could have significantly helped your case.
0: Well, and you know, like a lot of people try to save money by just having what looks like a camera there, but it's not really a camera.
2: The dummy cameras. Yeah, they're, the they're dummy cameras. Antiquated now. <laughs> yeah, they're antiquated. I don't see as many as I used to, and I don't really think it makes any good sense to having it. Um, it's one thing to scare away from somebody, but and not every burglar or not every criminal is sophisticated either, but there are some, some, some sophisticated people out there. Mm-hmm. And you having a dummy camera, it, it really, it doesn't make any sense. If you're all going to have a dummy camera, at least have one real camera around. Because <laughs> if you can,
0: you you can tell. If it, it will give some indication that it's recording, right, if it's a real camera?
2: Well, it, well if, you, if you look at it, well, just you looking at the camera alone, you're pretty, you're really, you really can't tell. Now, we'll take like a dome camera, for instance, and you'll see like a little red ring around the uh, the lens. And usually that red ring is the IR, is infrared. And infrared allows you to be able to see at night. But when you see that light on, usually it just tells you that the camera has power. It doesn't necessarily mean it's recording. Only way you're going to know if it's recording is you actually engage with that DVR box. Or I the okay. system that it's attached to. That's the only true way you're really going to know. Only thing that you know when you see a camera, you see a little red ring, you know that one, it can record at night. too, two, that the, that the camera is powered on. That's it. Okay. You don't know okay. whether it's recording or not.
0: Okay. And so when you talk about these dome cameras, those are the ones that really can, uh, it's all kind of, is it like a uh, wide-angle lens?
2: And What you have, you have some that are, but then you have like a full dome. And the reason why I, uh, I'm a big advocate for the dome cameras is because a regular pointer camera, fence, like you know, you ever see those cameras that look straight, it is, it is pointed right to right. where they're going right. to capture. Now, think about it this way. If you walk into an establishment, you're trying to break into an establishment, you're trying to you know, go unseen, what will you do? You'll go under and around those type of cameras. A dome camera, on the other hand, you don't know where the lens is pointing mm-hmm. because, it, it, because the, uh, the dome it, you know, it has a tint, so you can't see within it. So you don't know where, where the lens is pointing to. That's why you want the dome cameras. Okay. Also, not to mention now they're 1080p resolution, you could pretty much, you could, with a decent system, you know, you, you could see some pretty interesting stuff on there. If it's well, working and, properly.
0: And like you mentioned to me earlier today, uh, you, you know, you can go to uh, electronic stores and buy, for a very reasonable amount, cameras if you want to install them in your home, and they're, and they're pretty much
2: plug and play. Costco's and BJ's. See, I've seen a lot of um, H.264 DVRs. Um, those are generic. That's a generic brand. Um, you see a lot of those uh, DVRs um, in, here in New York City and a lot of bodegas. And usually if, you're, if, if I'm investigating something on one particular block, usually everybody, some people use the same installer. So some of these businesses say, hey, you know, I got a guy and they, they'll use the same installer. So you'll see the same DVR in four to five stores in a row because they use the same installer. And usually the H.264 DVRs are very easy to use. They're very user-friendly. And you can take your external hard drive, your thumb drive, you can plug it in. You can extract your data, plug it into your computer, and there you've your video and you can place it onto a disk or send it off or whatever you like to do. So they're very user-friendly as well. And the ones at Costco are inexpensive. You're not paying a lot of money. I don't suggest you jump out the window or use the – the cameras that the Pentagon is using. <laughs> and that's like
0: no, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, you want to have something, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we have we have them in our house. My husband put them in. I think there's seven cameras. Beautiful,
2: beautiful. Yeah. And there's nothing huh. wrong. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, and I think I I think he only he paid less than a thousand dollars for the whole thing. So it, it's
2: it's it's and it's great for your home insurance too. I mean, it's something you can uh, you can report for. You know, as far as your insurance is concerned. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, and it's not because you, you live in a bad neighborhood. Most people think, oh, you know, I live in, no, you can live in a nice neighborhood. It's just to keep people honest, to keep things honest, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And most of it, you see some of these small businesses, it's not just for security reasons, it's liability reasons. In New York, we have snow. People slip and fall all the time. So a lot of those cameras that are capturing the sidewalk, and not necessarily capturing the sidewalk just to take a look at you walking into the establishment. They capture the sidewalk because people lie and say, hey, you slipped and fell. At least you mm-hmm. just take a look at the camera and tell them otherwise,
0: right? Exactly.
2: So, so li- yeah. So most of these cameras are also there for liability purposes as well.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's a very important point. I mean, you know, it really boils down to um, there's a lot of people out there that like to manipulate whatever system exists, whether it's falling in an elevator. We've seen that on the mm-hmm. news. In the last two or three years, we've, we've seen, you know, the sidewalk thing. We've seen murder cases, all kinds of things happen in, our daily, in everybody's daily lives, particularly in urban environments. So, you know, even though there's a lot of controversy about cameras, it seems like the way to go.
2: It, well, it, it is the way to go. I think you, you just have, you have one side. You have some people who feel that it's intrusive. Or, you know, what's too much? Or, you know, if you think about George Orwell's book, 1984, and big mm-hmm. government, and everybody's watching you. And I think a lot of people have that type of, uh, you know, way of thinking that, hey, you know I'm being watched every five minutes. I personally, okay, I'm not doing anything to warrant that type of uh, <laughs> attention. But at the end of the day, though, if something seriously were to happen, and if it could play, and the video could play in your favor, you will, want you, will want to definitely, uh, you will want the video to be working at that time. And I think it's extremely important for stores and some of these small businesses if you have patrons, especially young people, because I worked on cases where you had a lot of young missing people. And right. you had to go and extract video to look for these young missing people. I think it's extremely important that a lot of these small businesses have surveillance cameras working up-to-date cameras in their store to protect their patrons as well as themselves.
0: Well, I remember uh several years ago I, I remember when Baltimore put all their uh cameras everywhere downtown and there was a huge controversy about it um but but it seems like you know how how else do you protect yourself we don't we don't have privacy any longer anybody that thinks we have privacy of any kind we don't have it
2: <laughs> no 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 i think I think
0: the internet I think the internet did that for us at this point yeah. Exactly, and if it saves lives, particularly in this age of terrorism and mass shootings and all of that, we need we need help.
2: Well, well, I mean, cameras like the cameras are one. Cameras are just one portion of it. At the end of the day, I always, tell, I always tell detectives all the time the lectures. You still have to get out out your desk and catch the criminal, <laughs> just right. because you see what the camera doing. It doesn't mean anything. You right. still have to go and do the other work. And that's yeah. what this is. I mean, when we talk about as far as mass shootings, we talk about terrorism. We can have all these electronic devices. Security starts within us. What we, how we see the world, how we visualize it. Are we saying anything? Are we boisterous? It all plays a part in it. I think New York has that mantra now. If you see something, say something. Yes. Those, you see bags on a train. It's yes. an excellent point. If you see something, say something. You just don't know. It's, 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 more, it's not just about you, per se. When you're talking about the New York City transit system, it's the biggest in the world. You're talking mm-hmm. about moving to eight, between 8 to 10 million people a day. I could it's not imagine yeah. something like that, horrific like that happening in the in New York City subway system. And that's why they take the measures that they have been taking new within these last 16 years.
0: And the, and the positive thing about uh, the video surveillance cameras is it takes a lot of the speculation out of it, things that we may have assumed or thought about or talked about in the past, now we can see it in real time it still takes interpretation but we can no, see it, it takes happening. a
2: lot of interpretation and, I, always, and, and I, had a, I had an attorney tell me before hey Eric, can we just make a still picture of this I said, well why would you want a still picture if you have a video I just wanted to show the jury, I said, we're playing the video he's that's saying right. that he's in Baltimore but he's in Brooklyn, that's exactly. it yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to show anything else and when she actually sat there and thought about it I said, you know what, you're right you're right. Yeah. Right. You don't have to. do. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to show the video. I said, the video says everything. It's kind of hard to lie to say you wasn't in a particular place in time. Mm-hmm. Went on video. We got you there. Now, right. I understand there's some, you know, some great animators and some people that could play with the video and some great professionals, but that's going to take a lot to do all that. Right.
0: And right. that's not the case. You know what, Eric? We are at the end of the hour. It's been delightful talking to you. I hope I get to meet you in person one of these days. Um, I think we
2: definitely will. <laughs>
0: okay. And so uh, to the rest of you, join me again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Eric Grimes, former New York Police Department detective. Every Thursday morning, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's PIs Classified. Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Eric.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to P.I. Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. PI's Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Music